Welcome everyone to episode 34 of the Under Further Review podcast with Burke and Jen. I'm Burke. I'm Jen. And um, let's get right into it. Um, The first topics that we're going to talk about today all kind of relate to um, an issue that's been all over the news recently and um, sort of the what's been going on with um, white supremacists in um, other parts of the country mostly, but also sort of in San Francisco and uh, the East Bay and uh, sports figures um, getting themselves involved in those discussions. Um, so I guess the kind of quick topic off the off the jump, um, the Detroit Red Wings are apparently exploring their legal options um, with respect to suing some groups who have been using a modified version of their logo at some of these white supremacist rallies. Um, I, as I understand it, the way that they have tweaked the logo is instead of having kind of the normal spokes on the wheel, they've... Um, turn them into S's that look similar to the S's that were used in uh, Nazi Germany to uh, yeah. exemplify the SS, I guess. Yes, they look like swastikas. Oh, do they? Yeah, they I do a they little do. bit. Yeah. But it does, yeah. They're, um, so that group, um, and we don't want to give them any more airtime, but since they might be sued, um, <laughs> so we don't want to get that, uh, at least their name correct, it's the Detroit Right Wings. And they did use the um, Detroit Red Wings logo and modified it. Um, and apparently there was a, um, a group also that used the Detroit Lion as, like, the, the oh. lion also in um, as its symbol during the march. So both the Red Wings and the Lions got involved and publicly denounced their use of, you know, a modified logo um, to represent hate and uh, white supremacy uh, and as Burke said they are exploring legal options with what they can do I mean trademarks are kind of a big deal when you infringe trademarks and, and those kinds of rights but right as we've seen in some of the um, lawsuits surrounding the uh, Washington professional football team or the Washington Redskin potatoes <laughs> as one of my DC friends likes to call them um, that's a huge issue um, in terms of making money for these teams. So um, it's sort of unsurprising um, from just that perspective alone, but certainly being associated with this kind of hatred and particularly in light of Charlottesville, the violence that's gone on. Um, it's, I don't think it's something that the Red Wings have any interest in. Interestingly, this isn't the first time that um, their logo has been used. Um, apparently there is a group on, there are groups on Twitter that um, use the modified Red Wings logo, including some um, militias in Michigan. But I don't know that because it wasn't as public, they haven't been sued. Mm-hmm. Um, but it looks like the Red Wings are now kind of on to this problem. And I, I, That just seems like sort of a strange thing. I would never, I don't necessarily equate, I, I wouldn't take a hockey trademark and think, oh, I can use this for my right-wing hate group or my militia or i mean i guess they don't believe in government regulations so maybe they don't believe in trademarks i don't know i'm probably making gross generalizations (laughs) about these folks but it's that seems like the least offensive thing i could say about them (laughs) or or do they and i think maybe this might be more the case is that they use a symbol of a popular sports team so that people are like more drawn to it because it's like a team with a winning reputation. Like you can't obviously use a Lions one or the Tigers haven't won a championship in a really long time and the Pistons, I mean Didn't the Tigers win in like the past ten years? I thought they got close but they didn't. Or maybe that was Justin Verlander's problem. I don't know. Um Well and I think I mean, I don't know, I could just taking a quick look at nineteen eighty four. Before, oh, I guess they did lose in the final. Um, it's, I don't know, like the the modification isn't like so obvious that if you're just seeing it in like a news That's story true. as you're flipping mm-hmm. through, you would know what the difference was. I remember looking at like, what the hell are they doing with the Red Wings mm-hmm. logo there? And what is it that's different? Um, and I mean, once you read about it, it's pretty obvious, yeah. but... Um, but yeah, I don't know why they thought this was a good idea or why anyone would have thought that the Red Wings or the NHL, which frankly has done um, a lot to uh, build a reputation as a really inclusive league, um, would not raise an issue about this. Maybe they just didn't think it would get that much attention. I'm not sure. Um, but it seems like a, it was a risky move on their part. So I think in part it is 
the modifications are really, really subtle so that you don't notice it right away because I think that if you actually just came out and said, this is my flag and there's a giant swastika on it, <laughs> it is going to be very quickly banned. So it's sort of this like surreptitious way of getting this message out there and like sort of you recognize it. So different. creative. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's sort of the idea yeah. that they use the the number eight a lot in their, um, I don't know, in their literature, their imagery because eight is the... Um, H is the eighth letter of the alphabet, and so Hitler starts with H. I mean, it, like you have to, you have to, I guess, from their standpoint, do these things so that they aren't outright banned on social media or on the internet or in other ways. That it's that it's got to be this like underground message that like recognizes like or something. I don't know. It's well, um, but on a sort of like a related um, sports note. Uh, as a result of what happened in Charlottesville, a lot of cities um, have started taking down Confederate memorials and statues. I know Baltimore did that uh, really quickly overnight. Um, and in Tampa Bay, there is a statue in front of the Hillsborough County Courthouse uh, that was built in about 1910-1911 by the United Daughters of the Confederacy. And it is a memoriam to Confederate soldiers. And Tony Dungy came out um, and wanted to raise money to remove this statue from in front of the courthouse. It, it happened really because the county commissioners voted four to two to not use public money to remove the statue. So it was going to cost about $140,000, and Tony Dungy basically um, said, we can't let this stand, and all the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the Rays, the Lightning, and even the Tampa Bay Storm all contributed money and 24 hours later, the statue was removed to a small cemetery nearby, so it's no longer standing in front of the courthouse. And that seemed like very fast acts, fast acting grassroots action. <laughs> um, and you know, it's uh, I guess the statue's still available available for people to look at, but mm -hmm. not a public monument so much mm -hmm. as it used to be. So um, I'd be I'd be interested to see if that happens in more places because it does seem as though the um, uh, there's a groundswell of support for getting rid of Confederate monuments in kind of public spaces, you mm -hmm. know, moving them to museums or something is a, mm -hmm. a better place to showcase that if necessary. Yeah, and um, there were lots of people who, there are lots of people who are in favor of removing many of these statues, including uh, the descendants of Robert E. Lee saying that yes you should remove Robert E. Lee statues and I know Robert E. Lee's his whole position and his the angst that he went through in defending the Confederacy is you know well documented but um, I think there was a response I can't remember where I saw it but like in in Germany there are no giant monuments to Hitler or the Third Reich or anything like that there are lots of monuments to fallen soldiers um, but they don't and I think the response was, we don't need statues to remind us of what happened. And I think that, like Germany of all places, is very, is very cognizant of its history and what it can do and what these sorts of symbols can sort of foment. Well, and I think that's been some of the conversation around this um, new TV show by the creators of Game of Thrones called yeah. Confederate, where it reimagines history if the South had won the war or at the very, well, I guess if they won the war, they would have just seceded. They wouldn't have taken over the Union. So, um the critic there's been a lot of criticism of the show um then the kind of backlash to the criticism is you're violating your first amendment rights and it's censorship and why is this any different from the tv show man in the high castle which is based on a i think a phil k dick book Correct. um <clears throat> excuse me and the uh idea of that show is germany and japan won world war ii and now the united states is split between the two of them and i think as one of my friends pointed out on Facebook, it's just, it's not really, you can't really compare the two situations because you don't have kid, you know, Jewish kids in Germany having to go to like Adolf Eichmann High School, whereas you have schools that are named after Robert E. Lee. You have streets that are named after people who led the Confederacy. That's not an issue that's in Germany. They treated it very differently. There seemed to be a real reckoning with their history that we mm -hmm. don't seem to have had here. Um, so it's... I guess we're going to be forced to deal with the issue now. Well, yeah, I mean, in a way, it even though World War II happened much more recently than the Civil War, 
you had Jim Crow laws up until the 60s and the 70s in this country, and you know there are still great inequities um, that are, I think, a direct result of this country's relationship with slavery and um, and its consequences. So you're right. I mean, this country hasn't really had a reckoning like. We didn't have an equivalent of the Nuremberg trials for people who no. mm-hmm. led the Confederacy. They were welcomed back with open arms. So, so uh, my husband and I were in Nuremberg over the holidays a couple of years ago, and one of the things we really wanted to do was go to the building where the trials were held, and it's like, okay, I'm all ready, let's go, and I'm like, oh, it's like a two-mile hike. And, or we'd have to get on public transportation, and I totally wimped out, and now I feel so badly about not going. I think we did something else that day, but um, yeah, that was one of my regrets from that trip. Was like, oh, I, I should have just toughed it out. But it'd been a really long week. That's my excuse. It's fair. <laughs> I just recently watched the movie from I don't. I guess it was the nineteen sixties. Judgment oh. Nuremberg. Mm-hmm. Very long, but it's an excellent piece of <laughs> um, film. So. Check it out if you have three hours to spare <laughs> on a uh, weekend and you're not looking to have an uplifting story shared with you. Yeah, but um, but I think the the point and the lesson of that is probably appropriate, which is you have a very public um, airing of all of everything that happened and there was a judgment that was rendered that it was wrong and like people were punished and so... Yeah, even when I was in um, South Africa a couple of months ago, um, they our tour guides talked about there after apartheid ended, they had what was called the Truth and Reconciliation mm-hmm. Commission, and um, people came in, and they're basically given immunity if they committed to telling the full truth of what they did. Um, and according to people who actually live in South Africa, that was as painful and hard as that was. It made it made it made people able to kind of heal from Mm -hmm. what happened because they could at least just kind of rip the band-aid off for lack of a Mm -hmm. better um metaphor and get it all out in the open and move forward which i don't think we've ever done here yeah um and sort of related but not related um i've been to the gerald ford gerald ford museum in michigan not going to get into why and the how or the where, um, but there is a huge section on uh, his decision to pardon Richard Nixon and how that was an incredibly difficult decision that he came to, and mostly because it was to like essentially start the first steps in healing the country, and like you couldn't really move on if all of these other things were going to continue happening, like mm-hmm. trials and all of that sort of stuff or any sort of subsequent punishment, and he said that he understood that he was vilified for that decision at the time, but he felt that it was a necessary step in order for people to say, okay, like, this is what happened, we're going to put it behind us, and we're going to start to move forward. And you're right, I just don't think that that's really happened in this situation. And I think sort of our larger topic today and the bigger story we have is directly related to that, which is um, why Colin Kaepernick doesn't have a job in the NFL. And I think that that's just a microcosm of the things that we've been talking about in our deeply political discussion today. Yeah, sorry if you were not tuning, if you were tuning into this to get away from a discussion of politics. Um, although I think, I don't know, hopefully everyone who listens to this thinks white supremacists are bad, <laughs> yes. and we can all at least be on board with that concept. <laughs> so, um, obviously the Colin Kaepernick thing has been hanging out for a while now, and we were talking about it sort of in the context of everything else that's gone on. Um, Nothing really has happened in the most recent couple of weeks that has changed uh, the fact that he uh, was released by, or actually he opted out of his contract with the 49ers at the end of last season and has been a free agent and has been looking for work. And um, it's my understanding that he hasn't really had any interviews with teams um, there have been some talk about some owners saying, oh, yeah, that would be great if he came, but I'll leave it to my coaching staff to make that determination. And didn't he visit with the Seahawks, but then they signed someone else, and they basically said, like, he's overqualified to be a backup quarterback? Yeah. Um, I can't I can't remember who the Seattle Seahawks' backup is, but he is not. Not as good as Colin Kaepernick. No. So there's been a couple of articles recently. I think the most recent one is Albert Breer on Sports Illustrated, Mm -hmm. who basically talked about why Colin Kaepernick 
is blackballed or why he or why it, he's not. And there were three team executives that spoke um, anonymously, anonymously. I'm sure. Yes, no. The, <laughs> I think that was part of the deal, according to the story, which is like you can speak anonymously if you tell us honestly why Colin Kaepernick doesn't have a job, and. Um, you know, one guy basically said that they he didn't even come up in discussions about whether or not they wanted to hire him as a or sign him as a backup. And another one, and the other two, and even to an extent, the third one was like, "Well, you know, RG three still doesn't have a job, and why aren't you talking about him?" So it's not about social stances; it's about being like not good quarterbacks or not good quarterbacks for our system or not good pocket passers, and um, sort of going back to the old. Uh, lines about why people don't fit into systems right and i've heard that rationale from 49ers fans or at least one 49ers fan who happens to be a white person so take that for what it's worth um that basically you have to build your whole offense around a player like colin kaepernick he's not the type of quarterback you can just kind of slot in to replace somebody he has a really specific set of skills and you need to build a system around him to support that when you do he's amazing when you don't not so much and I don't know that feels like an excuse to me um but what and Kaepernick was kind of at his the top of his uh his career before I moved out here so I wasn't paying a lot of attention to the 49ers um but I don't know as a sort of 49ers fan is there any? I think that I, think I don't know if truth is the right word, but is there any rationale that supports that idea? I think that there is. I think that um, I think when he came in to replace Alex Smith, or when he played for Alex Smith, when Alex Smith was hurt at the time, John Harbaugh was a relatively new coach, and Jim, Jim John is the one with the Ravens. I can't. <laughs> I always get the, their first names confused. Uh, Mock Turnola Khaki Pants, Harbaugh. Um, I think he did a lot for all of his bad, his faults and his all the bad things that he's done. I think the good things that he did were I think that he made the team very disciplined and I also think that he created a scheme in which Colin Kaepernick could succeed. And, um, and I think that that was a little more evident after he left uh, and new coaches came in and maybe schemes were created for, I want to say, Blaine Gabbert and whoever else has been the quarterback since then. So I think there's a little bit to that. But at the same time, you're not asking him to be your starting quarterback. You're asking him to be a backup. And I think that he knows he's football smart enough and that maybe he's even life smart enough. I, I still have a problem with him not voting, but <laughs> that he can come in and quote unquote manage your game for you and carry a clipboard. Cause that's what backups do. Mm-hmm. Like, um, Russell Wilson in Seattle, I don't think is, was hurt a lot. I don't know that their backup even saw very much like playing time. Um, so I think that it's kind of, it's, it's just a, a convenient excuse. Yeah, I think it's a little yeah. bit of a convenient excuse because I uh, there was in I think the Albert Burr article it talked about some of his statistics and how he was a much better passer when he was playing in the pocket as opposed to on the run yeah. and so you know you're just setting up these like straw men to uh, as reasons why I mean there there was a really good article in the Sacramento Bee I don't know if you read it um, but it was it came out at the end of August but basically it was the five myths of why Colin Kaepernick doesn't have a job and they were trying to dispel those myths basically saying that um, you know oh the 49ers were a media circus when he was doing his protests and that's like other teams don't want to take that on and he the sack B reporter was the reporter assigned to the Niners and he's like it was no different than any other team yeah. it wasn't like the teams in the past or the teams that he's dealt with, like they weren't, there weren't more reporters there because he was protesting mm-hmm. um, in the beginning maybe, but that really tailed off uh, very quickly um, after the preseason games when he started doing it and um, whether or not it was, you know, it, whether or not it divided the locker room. And he basically said that um, there were, people who supported him and it wasn't the kind of position in the 49ers locker room at least anyways that divided the team it might divide audiences but not people that he has to work with every day um and wasn't his jersey like the top selling mm -hmm. jersey if not in the leagues and definitely on the 49ers yeah um 
So from that perspective, it was good for business. Mm -hmm. So, so I think that it's, I think that there might be, there might be bigger questions about like why he doesn't have a job, why RG three doesn't have a job, and you know even to a certain extent why Tim Tebow didn't get a backup job when he was on the market too. I don't know necessarily that it is about um, his social position. I don't think it's a hundred percent that, but I think it's a lot of that. I mean, RG three was like objectively awful the yes. last time, and he, he gets hurt a lot. Yes, I know. Doesn't he have like a completely fake knee or mm-hmm. something? Um, so that would seem to me a real, a much easier thing to explain away why he is no longer employed. Um, although this is, I know we didn't discuss talking about this, but there was talk recently, um, Art Bryles of Baylor Mm -hmm. fame, um, almost got hired by the Hamilton Tiger Cats or Tie Cats, I guess, of the Canadian Football League. Um, they got tremendous backlash for hiring him since as each, you know, it seems like each passing day they're is more evidence that he knew exactly what was going on with all of his mm-hmm. players and ignored it. Um, so the idea, though, or there was some thought that the reason that Hamilton wanted to sign him was that they could get RG3 to come and play for them because he played under Bryles at Baylor. Mm-hmm. Um, because of public pressure, Hamilton decided not to um, hire Coach Bryles, so he remains unemployed which is exactly where he should be. Um, And RG3 is probably not going to Canada. So, um. Hmm. Well, um, he could be going to Canada for another team, maybe. I suppose he could be, yes. Uh, So I think there might be a good, this might be a good time to point out the distinction between Colin Kaepernick's protests and the protests that are happening now, right? Because Colin Kaepernick's protest specifically was about um, violence committed against... uh, young black men by police officers yes. and the protest now i think is really has been has shifted a little bit and is more about like protesting nazis and neo-nazis and um i think just the general white supremacist culture yes. it's less specific yeah um so so i don't know if that is something that is more palatable to nfl executives and audiences well and also there are more people doing it now including some white players mm-hmm. which um i think makes it harder to ignore or marginalize people off yeah, yeah you know you've got michael bennett from the seahawks and his white teammate whose name i cannot remember now mm-hmm. who stood with his hand on his shoulder while michael bennett sat during the during the anthem mm-hmm. um a number of Cleveland Browns players have been participating in a protest, um, which is now being counter-protested by the Cleveland police, who are refusing to hold the American flag during um, Cleveland Browns games. So it's funny that they don't see the irony in um, <laughs> that, but whatever. Uh, but I do think, you know, probably to your point, because it's a little more generalized, a topic of protest, it might be more palatable who in their right mind is going to say like no no we don't think people should be standing up against racists um they're not but when you can couch it as oh well he's protesting the police then Mm -hmm. it's a little easier to criticize him i think yeah so i mean it's it's a very complicated issue and i and i and i hate the people who want to keep sports as sports and keep like the discussion of politics is the discussion of politics because one sport and politics have always been intertwined and I think it ebbs and flows to like the degree but you can't have a discussion of sports without talking about Jesse Owens or you know or um John Carlos thank you I'm like the San Jose State guys um the other one Tommy Tommy Smith yes um so it's it's never just about just sports or just politics. It's always like these individuals have very powerful and large platforms in which to send messages, either positive or negative ones. And I think for the most part, they should use them. Yeah. I mean, this is our platform. There you go. And um, on a sort of related note, there was a really great profile of Aaron Rodgers done by Mina Kimes, who is one of my favorites at ESPN. Um, and he talked about a number of things, including the um, why Colin Kaepernick is not employed. Mm-hmm. And he said he absolutely thinks that at least part of it is because of his protest, that you'd be mm-hmm. 
foolish to think otherwise um and that you know he personally would not sit during the anthem um because that's just the way he feels about our country but he wouldn't stand in the way of his teammates doing that and he understands where they're coming from Mm -hmm. um which you know i think it's interesting it'll be interesting to see if things kind of keep escalating that someone of his stature has stood up and said um you know I might not participate, but I certainly don't think they're wrong, mm-hmm. um, yeah. which is contrasted with um, folks on the New England Patriots, which pains me to talk about, but apparently they Not hate. everyone. Not everyone. Chris Long, we miss you. Martellus <laughs> Bennett, we miss you. I think some of the people who refused to go to the White House are still on the team, um, but apparently the Patriots gave um, Trump a ring, a Super Bowl ring, which is just deeply disappointing um but again um this idea that sports and politics are always intertwined like showing up to the white house that's an inherently political Mm -hmm. statement um and to tell people like the folks on the warriors that they should just shut up and go if they got invited yeah to stay in your lane i hate that so um anyway so that's uh i guess it'll be interesting to see where this goes during the season um when is the opening game this week it is, um, it should be next Monday or Sunday, next Monday or Sunday. Oh no, I take that back. It should be the Thursday night game is the first game of the season. Um, so it's like in like a matter of days. Yeah. So moving from, um, sort of sports and politics intertwining, I guess we can talk about entertainment and politics intertwining um yeah so and also jumping from one racist idiot to another um kid rock is being sued by a uh, california group called common cause um for alleged violations of federal elections law because he has declared that he is running for apparently he has declared that he's running for senate in michigan sort of backed away from that saying that because he hasn't declared there is no reason for him to you know do the things that Common Cause says that he should do, or federal, actually, election law says that he should do. Right, and so what Common Cause is saying is that he has de facto declared and therefore needs to register mm-hmm. and start complying with all of these federal election law mm-hmm. um, requirements, including keeping track of people donating to him. Mm-hmm. And his position is basically, I haven't declared, go fuck yourselves. Yeah. I think it may have literally been what his response was. <laughs> yep, that was literally his response. Um so now the common cause sorry they haven't filed a lawsuit they filed the complaint with the federal election commission which is a little different um but they are relying on attorney general jeff sessions and his department of justice to investigate kit rock um i suspect that won't happen um but in any event (coughs) excuse me um kid rock is uh fighting back against these claims again saying that he hasn't declared for a senate run so he doesn't have to register with any of these laws laws. um i did read an interesting article i want to say i can't oh maybe it wasn't on the free press but that kid rock might not be able to run for senate as kid rock that he would have to run for senate under his actual given name which is rob ritchie um because uh you you can have nicknames or names that you commonly go by as part of you know on the ballot but it has to be related to your actual name it has to be like a diminutive of your name like like ted cruz's real name is rafael cruz but his middle name is edward i guess okay so yeah so in that situation no. or um like teddy kennedy i think his first name is edward right? yes um so and it and it goes to what the recognition factor for them because um you know as a californian I, arnold schwarzenegger was our governor for a time after um Great. It was a Gray Davis had been recalled. Someone I think had been so. Recalled. Yeah. So, and at the time that Arnold Schwarzenegger ran for governor, there were upwards of tens of candidates running. And I'm not saying that he won because of the name recognition, but I do think that that went, you know, a substantial way in um, when people voted. Like, oh, I actually know who this person is, as opposed to these 36 other people I've never heard of before. Um, so I think right now Kid Rock is polling very well, but I think that's as Kid Rock and not to say that the people of Michigan can't discern who Kid Rock is and what his real name is, but maybe, I don't know. <laughs> I've just alienated Michigan. But um, 
it's I'm really okay with us alienating <laughs> Kid Rock fans. Um, but yeah, so it'll that's obviously not come to pass yet because, as he says, he is just uh, sort of testing the waters of what as to whether or not he's going to run for Senate, and since. Um, he's not actually declared and isn't in violation of these federal finance or federal um, election laws, then whether or not he's going to get to run as Kid Rock versus Rob Ritchie is sort of a, um, an unripe issue at this point. Um, although are people, is the issue that people are donating to him and where's that money going? Yeah. So basically, um, there, there are, uh, merchandise available, Kid Rock for Senate that's been made available i think through his record label so so there is money going to like merchandise related to his to a you know potential senate run but that can just be managed assuming that he they find that he doesn't violate he's not in violation of federal elections laws like that can just be managed through regular business and tax Mm -hmm. laws i would think yeah but it's just the idea that it's related to um running a campaign and the laws that we have built around that as a as a country. So well, he's Kid Rock. He doesn't have to follow laws. That's kind of his thing. Yeah. Well, Ugh. We please don't can. vote for him, Michigan. <laughs> God. Um, yeah, because we've seen how well someone who is not qualified to be in office is doing in office. So. Yeah, and it's interesting because I do feel like there have been instances where people who were famous or entertainers did pretty... I mean, I think Al Franken is doing a really great job in the Senate, and I know that my values align with his, so I may be... uh, But Ronald Reagan was kind of fine, and what was his qualification? He was an actor before he became uh, a government executive, so, Mm -hmm. you know... Well, and as I said, as a Californian, like, Arnold Schwarzenegger was the governor, and he didn't do a terrible job. I know. Certainly, we weren't on the brink of nuclear war every day, so, like, you know, kudos to him for, for that, um... So, anyways, uh, moving on to our third story to a slightly less problematic Michigander. No, actually, he's just as problematic, but probably in just in different ways. It's pretty bad, yeah. So, <laughs> the McGregor-Mayweather fight of the century happened last Saturday. We're recording this on a Sunday. So, it was over a week ago. And Burke and I were lucky enough to watch it at uh, one of the even Stevens Corners guys' houses. So, and it was a good time. Um, But apparently the the fight was delayed because there were issues um, with the pay-per-view. And to that end, an Oregonian man by the name of Zach Bartell is suing Showtime in federal court in Oregon for um, basically false representation and violations of, um, like, unfair trade practices. I think it's... Uh, because mm-hmm. he purchased, you know, on for his Apple TV the ninety nine dollar pay per view package, and like he, it was he couldn't download it, and when it was on, it was like really grainy pictures or really pixelated pictures, so the quality was really poor. And basically, he was saying that they sold us on the fact that we would be able to stream it in ten eighty p, and it was going to be great and it was going to be awesome, but the um, but the ability of Showtime to actually deliver on its promises to all of its customers was the problem. Like they didn't have the infrastructure in place to handle the vast amounts of people who did buy the pay-per-view. Um, and it's my understanding from, I think, one other organization that 2.9 million people downloaded it illegally to watch. So that also like put a giant um, tax on the system. Uh, so... Showtime, according to the article I read, is able to tell who was able to see it, so that might um, go a long way. They are offering refunds to those people who weren't able to watch it or able to um, stream it while it was happening. So, um, Yeah, and that 2.9 million people equals almost $300 million in lost revenue, which would have paid Floyd Mayweather's purse. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it was the actual um, the pers- or the money that they were able to collect uh, for the pay per view was projected at five hundred million dollars in the United States and seven hundred million dollars worldwide. Wow, that's a lot of money. Um, yikes. Yeah, uh, interestingly enough, um, well, not interesting at all, but uh, they are positioning this as to be a class action lawsuit. Um, mm-hmm. 
you know, it's actually fairly simple facts. Uh, but I don't, the complaint, I don't know if you got to see the complaint, but there were actual photographs of the guy's TV. His, well, one, it was his receipt from iTunes and then, or from Apple TV, and then photographs of his TV that showed that, like, uh, it was buffering, and then the other pictures were, like, really grainy pictures were of fighters. Were they, like, time-stamped? I don't know if they are time-stamped. <laughs> I didn't look that closely. But then a whole page of the complaint were, like, so part of it was that um, Bartel thought that maybe he was the only one who was having these problems, but then he went on Twitter and found that, like, all of these other people were having problems similar problems so a whole page of the complaint is like people's tweets about like how there were wow. so literally four pages of those 18 page complaints are all illustrations it's pretty funny um i feel like ours was fine but i think we may it may have been purchased through um uh like the cable company as yeah. opposed to using a streaming service Correct. yeah i didn't think that was that oh was and he's being represented by mark garagos yes. of um He's famous, but now I'm blanking on all the celebrities that he has defended. Yeah, he actually has defended a number of them, and he so he is probably going to have to be admitted into uh, federal to practice in federal court in um, what you might call it in Oregon. Oregon. So he so one of the so he's represented Michael Jackson, Winona Ryder, uh, Gary Condit, who is a politician, uh, Susan McDougal, Scott Peterson. Right. Yeah. Lots yeah. of NorCal wrongdoers. Yeah. He also um, represented the the two brothers who were injured in the tiger escape at the San Francisco Zoo. The, I want to say the Wally, but that might not be how they pronounced it. I thought it. they died. Um, one, one person died. Oh. The two brothers, I think, were injured. So there were three people total in that. But yeah. So he is sort of a um, like a celebrity... Celebrity lawyer. Yeah. I mean, what are they going to... What's their damage other than the hundred bucks? So the... Like, that you lost out an opportunity to watch a shitty boxing match? I mean, for those of you who watched, it was... I don't know. I don't watch boxing that much, although it was kind of exciting, so I might start. But, like, they were slapping at each other. <laughs> it looked like cats fighting for a while until Floyd Mayweather decided he was going to participate. And then it got... More interesting. More interesting. And then Conor McGregor fell asleep and uh, <laughs> the fight ended. So, um, so uh, violations of the unfair trade practices or actual damages or $200, whichever is greater. So everyone would get double their Double, money. yeah. Um, and they are being sued uh, for unjust enrichment. So, oh. yeah, I don't know what the potential damages are from that. I don't know. Maybe they get to watch the Gennady Golovkin fight for free. I don't know. <laughs> to get that resolved pretty fast. Yeah. Um, it was, I mean, I don't watch that much boxing, maybe a little bit more than you, just because mm -hmm. I'm around the even Stevens guys a lot. Um, but this fight was really pretty uninteresting. And apparently McGregor has been given a 60-day medical suspension following the fight oh. because he looked so... Wobbly is that what he called himself? He was like, I was just a little wobbly. Oh, I can't remember the speech he gave after the fight where he said they should have just let it keep going until Floyd actually knocked him down because um, he was just fatigued. He wasn't really damaged out there. It's like, well, buddy, you couldn't hold your hands up. Well, he <laughs> well, couldn't hold his hands up from the start of the exactly. fight, and he wasn't tired then. No. So um, he was just—he just had very, very bad form. Like I—I I mean, again, I know very little about boxing, but what I do know is protect your fucking face. Like, <laughs> don't just stand there with your chin out. That seemed like a mistake, but um, uh, what's his name? Mayweather never took advantage of it, so I guess it worked out okay for him in the end. Yeah, I really. I mean. Even after the first three rounds when Mayweather was just doing, as one of the Steve said, just being Borg-like and absorbing every all yeah. of the information, he still didn't take advantage of like, hitting him square in the face, which he had an open shot at like any time he wanted. He really did. Yeah. Um, so those were our, our three big stories. Well, actually, our big topics for the week. All with the common theme of involving racist people. <laughs> so, again, come for the uh, sports talk. <laughs> Stay for the politics, I guess. Stay for the racism. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I guess on that, before we move to the three-minute warning, there was a comment that McGregor made at the end of the fight to Floyd Mayweather when he was like, I truly, or made made a Mexican out of you. And um, so the idea, like people were actually sort of incensed that he said that, but 
Um, and I'm not defending the statement, and I'm certainly not defending anything that McGregor's ever said, because I think most of what he says is kind of like rubbish. But um, that in boxing circles is actually deemed to be a very compliment, compliment right? because, yeah. um, you know, there's a long history of Mexican fighters who, like, basically go in the ring and just leave it all out there. Like, they don't hold back. And Floyd Mayweather, and I'm sure that even Stevens people folks will want to talk about this um, in greater detail at some point but he is really a defensive fighter he makes you come to him he's not the aggressor he's not the the initiator of he's not an offensive boxer I guess is what I'm trying to say so tonight the fact that he did engage or tonight that night when he did engage and you know that's what McGregor was trying to say to him in a very inartful way. Um, and a uh, great Twitter follow and wonderful human being, Shay Serrano, who <laughs> is of Mexican descent, um, discussed this on Twitter. He was expecting everyone to be asking him what the hell did Conor McGregor mean by that. He didn't seem terribly bothered by it. So I think of all of the um, stupid, awful comments that Conor McGregor has made, that may not be one of them. But mm-hmm. it did at least initially sound pretty inflammatory. Mm-hmm. Correct. Um, yes, Shea Serrano is a great Twitter follow, and his FOH army has raised over $134,000 for Hurricane Harvey relief. Um, he said he was starting to panic because he didn't know <laughs> what the hell he was supposed to do with his money, so he called his accountant and figured out how to work this yes, out. Yeah, so he wouldn't get taxed for it. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, check out Shea Serrano. <laughs> um, so, our three-minute warning. Uh, you can start with um, either Usher or I want to call him Selena's brother, but I know he has a name. Um, so the Usher, just a quick update. He has filed a response to the lawsuit filed against him in Georgia um, for giving a woman herpes. Uh, basically, the long and short of it is he does not deny that he has herpes or that he could have given her herpes, but he um, basically focuses on the um, lack of sort of uh, timeline, I guess is a way to put it, in the complaint that um, the uh, plaintiff didn't talk about whether she had been tested for herpes prior to having sex with Usher. She doesn't describe um, like the time frame for when she was diagnosed after she had sex with Usher. Mm-hmm. So she could have gotten it from somebody else is basically his point. And also he is trying to argue that she assumed the risk of getting an STD by having unprotected sex with him. Um, He's a casual, <laughs> unprotected sex with him. So um, we'll see how this goes. We talked about during our last um, discussion about Usher in California, if they can prove that he knew that he had herpes and didn't disclose it to her, at that point, the assumption of a risk kind of goes out the window. I don't know that the law is the same in Georgia, so mm-hmm. that might be... Might work for him in this lawsuit, but not the ones that have been filed against him in California. So, and um, I think also the other update is that um, the woman's attorney has accused him, Usher, of hiding his wealth because discovery has been delayed for 90 days. Usher's legal team has come out to say that the 90-day delay is automatic for when you file a motion to dismiss. So there is some legal bantering back and forth aside from Usher's defenses that he... (laughs) answered yeah like we be in i mean part of it makes me think like maybe he is telling the truth because this explanation is so awful that if it were a lie like you would lie something better um but i don't know he might also just think he can get away with it and this is what he's going with so but i mean at that to that point i don't know that he feels like he can get away with it necessarily because he has settled other lawsuits related to this that's true over a million dollars i think it's just the fact that she's asking for 20 million dollars that's a lot of money um and i guess one question that i can't remember the answer to off the top of my head were the settle the lawsuits he settled were they in california so that assumption the risk issue is not relevant or is it were they in both california and georgia i have no idea like i can't I don't remember that at all. So, uh, yeah, so there might have been different circumstances for why he settled, um, you know, in his previous lawsuits. Um, So that's it for Usher on um, men behaving badly, I guess, is a theme of the three-minute warning. Yes. Um, So those of you who grew up in the 90s might remember a singer by the name of Selena. (laughs) And if you were not um, from South Texas or um, a fan of Tejano music, you probably (laughs) know her best because she got murdered by her fan club president very tragically. And then there was a wonderful Jennifer Lopez vehicle. Um, 
about Selena telling the story of her life. And I'm going to say that that was like, that was the thing that propelled Jennifer Lopez into a much broader national consciousness. I completely agree. I've probably watched that movie 45 times (laughs) in my life. It's on, I think it was on, it used to be on TBS a lot. Oh, that's very true. Um, So great movie, very sad story. The reason we were talking about her today is not because we're doing like a true crime flashback, but because her brother, who was part of her band, Selena y Los Dinos, um, <laughs> has been um, in a lot of trouble recently for failing to pay child support. Um, he was listed as one of the top 10 most wanted people in Corpus Christi, Texas. Like, how bad does your lack of child support payment have to be to get you on a top 10 most wanted list? Did you see who else was on? Like, they, they were like murderers exactly. and like drug lords. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's bad. Um, he then failed to show up at a court hearing. They rescheduled it. He showed up. He was arrested during the court hearing. Um, the judge commenting that, you know, child support's meant to be taken seriously. You've ignored my orders for years. Mm-hmm. Makes me think you don't take my court very seriously. And then he was taken into custody. Um, and the judge said, you know, you need to think about two things while you're in jail. Um, what are your responsibilities as a father? And what are the rights of your child? Um, he apparently owes in excess of $130,000 in um, child support and related fees. He is saying he's just a victim of misunderstanding. Then um, he got apparently got released from jail at some point, um, and now his dad, Abraham Quintanilla, who was the uh, driving force behind Selena and her band and the career played by Edward James, James almost <laughs> in the film, um, came out and um, said he was, I guess the brother was in jail for about two weeks, which seems like an awfully long time to just sit and think about things, but contempt of court, I guess it makes sense. Because you don't actually get out until you apologize sometimes, right? Or something else happens. Right. Yeah. Or And I don't know that he actually has the money to, to pay, pay this. Mm-hmm. Um, so Abraham Quintanilla came out um, on social media, I think it looks like it was Facebook, and said um, that AB, the brother, is out of jail. Um, he's not still in custody and then commented that it's uh, clear how you find out who your real friends are and who your enemies are. I am keeping a list, Arya Stark style. Um, I don't know if he's like crossing shit off or anything, but um, anyway, that's um, sort of where things have landed with um, A.B. Kitania, and it's just uh, sad that this is why Selena is back in the news. Yeah, so um, Abraham, um, the brother, he apparently has seven kids. Um, by different women. Uh, He's been married twice, and at the time, uh, I think before he was arrested, uh, he said that he didn't deserve what was happening to him. Right. He's been kind of whiny throughout this whole process. (laughs) Um, Maybe if you can't pay for seven children, don't have seven children. Mm -hmm. That's my thinking. Um, So on to the third uh, man in our lives who is behaving badly this week, uh, Wayne Rooney, and the sort of... uh, dovetails because uh, the English Premier League started a couple of weeks ago. I'm very excited about it, except for this particular weekend is an international break, um, which makes uh, sense why I'm talking about this, because uh, Wayne Rooney is not playing for England right now. And earlier this week, he was arrested for, quote-unquote, drink driving in England. That's <laughs> it's what, so quaint. <laughs> yeah, that's what they call it there. It's not drunk driving, it's drink driving. He was um, caught... Uh, behind the wheel of his VW Beetle, um, and he is set to appear before a magistrate on September 18th. And so what took place was he was at a a bar in, like, Cheshire, England, called The Bubble Room, and he was very inebriated. He was on tabletop singing Oasis songs at the top of his lungs, and then he and a young woman were flirting back and forth, and they left in a cab to go to another bar. I think it was called maybe Symposium or something like that. Um, but at the end of the night, he got back in his car and drove home, and that's when he was uh, caught for drink driving. And I think the interesting thing about this is that the young woman involved gave an interview to The Sun, which I'm not sure is super reputable or whatever, but she said that Rain Rooney's wife, Colleen, called her and was just like, what Colleen happened? Colleen with one L. Yes, yeah. <laughs> was like, who, she's pregnant with their fourth child. So she called uh, the young woman and was like, tell me what happened last night. And the young woman was like, well, we just got, you know, we got in the cab together. We did some kissing, but, you know, I didn't have sex with him. I'm not a homewrecker. And uh, Colleen was unhappy with the fact that they both left the nightclub together. But she And she said that they were both at fault. But I don't, I just thought it was really kind of a 
Maybe that's just her coping mechanism. I mean, to be does. clear, this young woman owes Colleen Rooney literally nothing. Mm-hmm. Like, it's her stupid husband who has done this mm-hmm. repeatedly. Yes. At least this time he wasn't caught with sex workers, although I don't know if that makes it that much worse. But, because um, he was, I mean, he was, was he arrested for um, use of an escort service or was did that just break? I think that just, yeah. I the think, news yeah. broke, but he wasn't actually in trouble with anybody yeah. other than his wife. Correct. Um, Colleen. Oh, Colleen. Um, yeah, so he's he's like 31 now. There's the distinct possibility that he won't put on a uniform for England again. Uh, so that's why he had all this time off and was driving around England in a VW Beetle, which is not the car that I thought that, that would, he would be caught uh, drink driving in. Um, no, I can't find... He's got a very long Wikipedia page. Um, no, uh, let's see. So, a woman claimed that he paid a thousand dollars for a three a thousand pounds, excuse me, for a threesome with her and another woman in Manchester while his wife was five months pregnant. It was reported his solicitors unsuccessfully tried to fight the allegations when they were first surfaced, but that's all that it says. So it doesn't seem like it was a legal matter. It was more a uh, public pers- embarrassment yeah. matter. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, that was while his wife was pregnant. Five months pregnant, yes. Mm-hmm. Lane, what are you doing? Yeah. Um, yep. But he's admitted to soliciting prostitutes in 2004. He was young and stupid before he had a chance to settle down with Colleen. Um, yeah. And I guess he... So, yeah, so when I say the Sun is not necessarily the most reliable uh, source of news, um, Wayne Rooney was awarded £100,000 in libel damages from the Sun and News of the World, which is the Rupert Murdoch uh, version of fish rap, as they call it in England, who they claimed that he had assaulted Colleen in a nightclub, um, and they were wrong. So that's he got the £100,000 in damages, and he donated that money to charity. But... Um, Anyways, that's my Wayne Rooney story. The Premier League is back next weekend, thankfully. Um, and to a point that Burke raised earlier, the very first NFL game is this Thursday, and it's between the Kansas City Chiefs and the New England Patriots. Um, I don't think I'll be watching because I am boycotting the NFL this year. We didn't even get NFL Sunday tickets, so that's wow. how serious we are about not watching. So. Um, so that is it for us and episode 34. Um, please, if you want to uh, rate and review us on iTunes, that would be super appreciated. And you can always um, reach out to us via Twitter or Instagram at UFR underscore BG. Um, you can find us online at um, underfurtherreview.bg.com. No, yes. dash bg. I think it's dash bg. Dash bg.com. And um, you can also find us at Gmail at underfurtherreview.bg at gmail.com. Um, so thanks. And we will, I think we're maybe taking a week long hiatus. Um, yeah, at least a week. We might be back next weekend. Maybe not. Um, but if you don't hear from us, we will be back soon. And uh, thanks for tuning in. Bye. Thanks. Bye.